Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler share with you the pathway to becoming a top leader in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. Dr. Kathy Greenberg won't be with us uh, today. Between Kathy and I, over the years, we've helped thousands of leaders to perform in the top 10%. So we're always looking for cutting-edge ideas, tools, tips that will help you, and if you lead a team, help you lead a team. And today we're going to talk with Dr. Ryan Goffertson, uh, and it's all going to be about your mindset. I think you're really going to enjoy this. I'll give you a little intro uh, into Ryan in a moment. But uh, he's done some really great research and some tips and tools that will help you. And you know, in regards to, if you've been a, a listener to our show, that this idea of emotional brilliance, maybe using some of the stuff that uh, Ryan's going to talk to us, how do you become, you demonstrate your leadership, you demonstrate your emotional intelligence, you demonstrate how brilliant you are in the moment. And it all... Uh, is a part of what you know about yourself, and we'll get some tips and tools about that. What do you know about others? So in the moment, how do you bring forward? How do you beckon? How do you become the best you are with all that information? And it all happens in a snapshot. So you get crystallized in who you are in these short uh, relationships, these behaviors. And today, uh, in these days with the pandemic, and with the emotionality that we all have, the VUCA world, volatile, uh, uncertain, um, chaotic, and ambiguous, how do you make these decisions when things seem to be swirling around us? So that's why the tips and tools that we have here are really important. And if you're interested in some more information on tips and tools, you can go to the website that Kathy and I have, emotionalbrands.com. We have a free ebook, The 11 Reasons Why You Need uh, Emotional Intelligence. And then there's a ton of information that will help you become more brilliant in the moment. So that's all what we're trying to help you with. And let me say a little bit about uh, Dr. Ryan Gofferson. So we're going to talk about this concept that he's got a vertical development, how to upgrade your operating system. He'll talk a little bit about the operating system. And he's got a Ph.D. Uh, and is a cutting-edge mindset author, researcher, and consultant. He helps organizations vertically develop their leaders primarily through the focus on their <clears throat> mindset. <clears throat> Excuse me. He helps improve organizations, leaders, and teams and employees by improving their mindset. So he is a leadership and management professor at the College of Business and Economics at California State University at Fullerton. His Ph.D. is in organizational behavior and human resources from uh, uh, Indiana, and then he also has a B.A. from Brigham Young University. He has a book called The uh, Author, I mean, called The Success Mindset, The Key to Unlocking Greater Success in Your Life, Work, and Leadership. So we're going to tap into that and hear about what some of the things are. But he's worked with top leadership uh, teams at uh, CVS Health. He kind of helped the top 130 leaders there, um, other you know, big organizations. 
And he's also a great researcher. He's got uh, 15 articles across journals like Journal of Management, Journal of Organizational Behavior. So we're going to uh, try to peel back a little bit about what this mindset is and how Dr. Ryan Goffertson can help us, and I'll make sure that we give you his contact information and things that you can uh, tap more into it. So, Ryan, we're, welcome to the show here. Hey, thanks for having me on, Dr. Nadler. Really appreciate it. Yeah, so um, one of the things that we usually start off with, and you and I have kind of shared a, a platform in the past, and so what is interesting here, kind of tell us a little bit about kind of your background and maybe the, maybe the first question, um, you know, given we're both talking about leadership and the same thing with Dr. Kathy Greenberg, um, who's been some of your major influences, you know, in your life that you could kind of pinpoint and maybe what were some of the things that you learned from them? Yeah, great question. Um, so I think that, and, and you you alluded to this before, but one of the things that I focus on is vertical development. And it, it's different than most traditional approaches, which are horizontal development approaches. So horizontal development is just simply adding more knowledge, skills, and capabilities to what we have. Vertical development is all about upgrading our internal operating system. It's helping us to see and make meaning of our world in more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated ways. And so when you ask that question, what comes to my mind is, who are the influences that have helped me vertically develop, that have helped me upgrade my internal operating system? And in fact, I would say um, that much of, I feel much of my vertical development has come through reading books by others who have helped me to see the world in a different way than I had previously. And so uh, maybe just let me uh, mention a few of those. So I would say Brene Brown's been a big influence in my life oh. uh, through her books. There's a great book uh, by Ed Catmull, who's the president of Pixar, or I guess former president of Pixar now, and then Disney Animation. He read a, wrote a book called Creativity, Inc., um, which has been very influential. But then I've also gotten a lot from... Um, from folks that are have been through a lot in their lives. So there's people like Edith Edger, who is, and Dr. Edith Edger, who's a Holocaust survivor. She's kind of a protege of Viktor Frankl. Um, mm-hmm. So those are a few, I would say, influences that have, through reading their works, have caused me yeah. to elevate my cognitive and emotional sophistication. So uh, that's really interesting. I mean, thanks for kind of sharing some of those. Most of those folks, you know, I'm familiar with. I'm not really familiar with Edith Edgar, and, and probably when you talk about mindset, you know, Victor Franco, Man's Search for Meaning, you know, is a classic yep. uh, for being in a, in a concentration camp and really leaning on his mindset. So maybe say a little bit. What what is the book that Edith has, and anything that you got you grab from that? Yeah. So. Um, so she's got two great books, um, and they're they're pretty overlapping. One is a little bit shorter, and one is a little bit more depth. So uh, I think the first book that she came out with is called The Choice, and then the next book is called The Gift. So if you want the depth, I would read The Choice. If you want um, kind of, I would say, a, a, a better written book as a whole, I would say The Gift. Um, but both of those walk through her story. And she the way that, to me, she built off of Viktor Frankl's work is, Viktor Frankl gives the understanding of the concepts, right, of, of what mindsets do we have. We need to have a why, and that will get us through any how. 
So I love what he's done there. But then I feel what Dr. Edith Eager has, has done is shifted to, okay, this is, these are the concept, concepts. How do you actually bring it into practice within your life? And what's remarkable about her story is, is she's, she had to go through a complete transformation herself, which involves some really deep healing from, understandably, her past trauma. So she really gets into how her trauma um, prevented her from being more of the positive influence that she wanted to be within her family and also um, through her profession and through some really deep uh, changes and healing. uh, She's come to kind of present how we actually go about this process of healing so that we can elevate our ability to be a positive influence in the world around us. Uh, That sounds good. I'm going to, I'm not familiar. I'm going to look her. Her last name is Edgar. Yeah, E-G-E-R, yep. Okay, cool. And what we know from Victor Franco, I'm sure this is going to tie into some of the things we're going to talk about. <clears throat> he was one of the first people who talked about the power of choice between stimulus and response. You know, and stimulus comes in, and I'm sure you talk about this as I do. Most of us, the stimulus comes in, we get the same old response. So stimulus, same response. Stimulus, same response. If we can get into that gap, which I think a lot of things you're going to talk about in the mindset kind of allows that choice or that, you know, Stephen Covey talks about the uh, moment of courage. How do I do something a little different, similar stuff that we're talking about in this emotional brilliance in that gap? So how do you create a gap? So say a little bit more as we kind of getting into, you know, how do you get interested in in mindset? And then you've done, sounds like some phenomenal research. Maybe take us to, you know, to that part. Yeah, I love how you called that the gap, um, because creating that gap between stimulus and response is actually the development of a skill, which is mindfulness and consciousness. Uh, so right. most people, um, they, they really don't have much of a gap. And, and the way that we develop that gap is to deepen our self-awareness. And so what got me into everything uh, that I focus on, which is mindsets and vertical development, is in my doctoral program, I did, I had to review the last 70 years of leadership research. And what I found is that most of that research primarily focuses on answering one question, and that is, what do leaders need to do to be effective? And that's, um, it's been a helpful question. It's led to some really good answers, um, but it also is more horizontally related because it's about doing things like gaining more knowledge and yeah. gaining more skill. And, and so this, I mean, while I appreciated the, all of the work that had come before, it didn't sit well with me because I think it, leadership isn't about doing the right things. It's about being a certain type yeah. of person, being somebody that others want to follow. And so uh, over the last 10 years, what I've been focusing on is how do we tap into the being element of leadership? And everything has led me to mindsets. And both psychology and neuroscience both independently point to mindsets as being the most foundational aspect for why we do what we do, because it is the bridge between our stimulus and our response. And so if we can awaken to our mindset, we could better understand this dynamic of stimulus and response that is going on within us. So it's the reason why people with more of a fixed mindset when they come across a challenge, 
they're going to interpret this as something to run away from because it might expose their inability. Whereas somebody with a growth mindset, when they come across a challenge, they don't, they're not fearful of it. In fact, they want to approach it because they see it as an opportunity to learn and grow. And, and again, most, for most people, that stimulus to response is non-conscious. But if we can become conscious to that, then we could create that gap that you're talking about. So, uh, so Ryan, I usually say that same aspect about if you stay on automatic, you stay average. And I think, you know, all of us are on automatic, you know, probably 95% of the time, as we know, we're kind of operating out of our habits. And so, you know, nobody really wants to be average. And so, you know, one way to get about that is to kind of not be on an automatic. And that's where some of the work that you're saying, uh, mindset. I like how you're saying that to awaken to the mindset. So uh, is so with that, are you saying that their mindset uh, has got a blanket over it or it's muted or maybe say a little bit about the awakened part of it? Well, let me say a couple things and maybe we'll get Ryan back because, uh, Ryan, we can't hear you right now. And so this idea of being in the gap that well, Ryan's going to speak to and the fixed mindset, I was going to ask him this question, but the fixed mindset is this is who I am, and this is my identity, and I can't change. And so any challenge to your identity comes in as a threat, as Ryan was saying. And so we move away from threats. The growth mindset, we, if you're uh, someone who's always trying to get better, you lean into it, you kind of go for it, you see it as a challenge. And so um, that's one of the aspects, you know, that... Ryan has, and he's also done a lot of good work just with an assessment on this. And so, Ryan, we kind of lost you for a minute, and I was just talking about the fixed mindset. Um, Can you hear me okay? Yep, I got you. You got me? Yep, I got you. Good. So I was just explaining a little bit more about the fixed mindset because, you know, you and I know that, but some of our listeners may not know that, and that's being the threat, the growth mindset, as you're saying, you know, how do you see that as as a challenge? So um, one of the questions we have is about awakening the mindset, and you talked about kind of a, a research-based or research-backed framework about that. So, yeah, delve into that one a little bit more. Yeah. So um, I think it's really important for us to understand that our mindsets aren't just kind of our attitudes towards something, and I think that's the way that it's oftentimes presented. Our our mindsets are literally neuro connections in our brain that, that have three primary jobs. And this helps explain this response to stimulus or stimulus to response uh, relationship is they, their first job is to filter certain information into our mind because our mind, our body sends our mind way more information we can process. So our, our first job of our mindsets is to filter that down um, into specific information the second job is to interpret that information in unique ways. And that's why some people with a fixed mindset will see challenges as things to avoid, where those with a growth mindset will see challenges as things to approach. And then the third job of our mindsets is to dif- activate different elements about ourselves, like our, our uh, values, our personality, our goals, in order to help us navigate those situations effectively. And so 
Um, all that's to say is that, again, mindsets are the most foundational aspect for why we do what we do. And they come very naturally. How we see and make meaning of the world comes very naturally to us because that's the way that our mind has been wired. So, uh, Ryan, we're going to take our first break. And uh, so as our listeners, come right back. And we'll be back with you in a moment. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Icy Tech, like the hardworking men and women that get up every day and do their job. The ones that stop at nothing to make sure that it's done right. It's not just an effort. It's not just know-how. It's a way of life. Icy Tech has been with you since 1998. And with the veteran community being behind you, we understand. With quality, with passion, we follow you in this way of life. Icy Tech, for those who get it. Icy Tech is a proud sponsor of the Emotional Brilliance Academy, where e-learning is leading edge. How can you be brilliant in the moment? Given the daily challenges you face at work and home, how can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. We're talking to uh, Dr. Ryan Gottfriedson, I'm going to spell you his name in a minute, and, and you can also go to his uh, website, which is Ryan and Gottfriedson, and Gottfriedson is G-O-T-T, so two T's, Fred, F-R-E-D, son, uh, RyanGottfriedson.com. He's got a lot of good stuff on his website. There's an assessment we'll get him to talk about. You can look about where your uh, mindset's at. So, Ryan, one of the things I did see on there I think is good for the audience, because you did allude to it, is just how much stimuli comes in unconsciously versus consciously. 
Yeah, it's really fascinating. So uh, I'm going to give you some terminology, and I'm going to be honest with you that I don't even fully understand that terminology. But what neuroscientists have found is that our body sends our brain 10 billion infer- 10 sorry 10 million bits of information per second. Now I don't know wow. exactly know how they quantify bits, but what they do say is we can only consciously process 40 bits of information per second. Yeah. So that that's just some some more information around our our body is sending our brain way more information than we can process. So something I commonly will do when I when I share this is I'll I'll just invite people to wiggle their toes, right? Because over the past, I think we've been talking for about 20 minutes now. For the past 20 minutes, our bodies have been sending our brain messages from our toes. But we just haven't filtered it in until I invited you to wiggle your toes. Um, and then we start to activate it, right? So that gives us a sense of our, our body just sending us way more information then we can consciously process. Uh, and, and so our mindsets are this really this mechanism within us that, that is in between the stimulus in our world and the responses that, that we have. And, and so that's why we can say that our mindsets truly are foundational to everything that we do. And, and I think what, as you're going to be talking about the mindset and this where mindfulness is what's, what's your mind doing, um, you know, most of us are kind of unaware of, of that. So uh, before we took the break, you were talking a little bit about the more comprehensive research-based framework, you know, around this mindset management. Yep. Yeah, so I, when I started to learn about mindsets and, and to learn that they were foundational to everything that we do, my first question was, well, what might, mindsets are out there? And then my second question is, what mindsets do I need to have in order to be more successful? And so uh-huh. what I've done is, is I kind of opened up the, the floodgates in academia just to try to find out where, what mindsets have been studied and could I learn from this as a way to know what mindsets that I need to have. And, and so what I found is that there's four different domains that have been studying mindsets for over 30 years. So there's psychology, education, management, and marketing. And in each of these domains, they're kind of isolated into studying specific mindsets within that domain. And then these mindsets are different from what are being studied in the other domains. And they're really not Hmm. talking to each other. And so what I've done is I've, I've brought these different mindsets together across these different domains and put them into one framework to help us better understand what mindsets are out there, what mindsets do we have, and what mindsets do we need to have if we want to be more wired for success and effectiveness. So, um, like I said earlier, I, I really appreciate the evidence base and that you're doing, and so... So tell us a little bit more about kind of what were the, the benefits and what you kind of got from that, you know, more about these mindsets. Yeah, so what I found is that there are four different sets of mindsets, and, and they come, they do, they come in sets. And there's one that is more negative, and I'm going to explain that here in just a second, and then there's another that's more positive. And so really these represent a continuum, and our mindset, the quality of our current mindset, resides somewhere on this continuum 
um, between negative and positive. And, and I think a better way to even think about it is it's, as opposed to negative and positive, it's less cognitively and emotionally sophisticated and more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated. So let me, let me start, for example, with fixed and growth. That's the set that most people are already aware of if they're aware of mindsets. And a fixed mindset is, um, is rooted in one's fear of failure, right? So if we have a fear of failure, uh, or we will have a fear of failure if we interpret failure as an indication that we are a failure. And so at the end of the day, having a fixed mindset is justifiable because most people don't like to fail. And, but this isn't necessarily cognitively and emotionally sophisticated to carry around this fear of failure. And the reason why is because somebody with a growth mindset, they're more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated in the sense that they recognize that, okay, not that we want to fail, but through failure, we will learn and grow the most. And so we don't rigidly protect ourselves from failure when we have a growth mindset. We're more willing to embrace uncertainty and complexity and try new things than somebody that has more of a fixed mindset because they're just more cognitively and emotionally sophisticated. And so each of us, we fall somewhere along this continuum between having a fixed mindset and having a growth mindset. And if we can awaken to where we are on this continuum, we're going to have a deepening in our self-awareness. We're also going to have a sense of, oh, all right, where do I need to go from wherever I'm at? And that's surely more towards having a growth mindset. So I think one of the things about this framework that's really helpful is, one, it puts labels on something that we didn't have labels on before. And yeah. when we have labels, then we can start the process of awakening. So two things, Ryan, that, that I love that you're saying. So one is I always say this, and this is from Alcoholics Anonymous, you have to name it to tame it. And I think for many yep. people, like I said, that's the label. Until you can kind of label it in the medical field, you know, they give it a diagnosis. You know, we know in the psychology field, once you give it a diagnosis, they go, oh, okay, now what's the research say about doing it? So kind of that name it to tame it. And then just the awareness, you know, from the emotional intelligence model that Kathy and I talk a lot about, and I'm sure for you too, is, is this idea of starting with self-awareness. I mean, given so much stuff that we don't know, so that's kind of the start of that. And so, yeah, I'm familiar with uh, fixed and growth mindset, but I think then you've kind of really been able to add to that. And we think about this VUCA world that we're living in that I mentioned earlier, um, the growth mindset that embraces, you know, the volatility, embraces uncertainty, uh, embraces complexity, you know, as a challenge and, and ambiguity. So yeah, you went through the first to one, try and, I, and I imagine you're going to take sure. us through the, each of the, of the four of them, right? Yeah, we could do this, uh, you know, fairly quickly. In fact, uh, one of the ways that I, I think it's fun to, to do this is what I'm going to do, if it's okay with you, is I'm going to give you four desires, and I want you to tell me whether or not society says these are good or bad desires. Is that okay? Okay, good. All right. So here's the desires. A desire to look good, a desire to be right a desire to avoid problems, and a desire to get ahead. Do you think society <laughs> so says those is are good or bad desires? Is that what you're saying? Uh, sorry, say that again? 
The question is, does society promote those four? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, do they, yeah, does society suggest these are good desires to have? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so that was, right? I, we, I thought you were going to you were gonna give me a hard feel... question. <laughs> so that, I'd say yes, yes. <laughs> Yeah, so, and I think even, and maybe even especially as leaders, we feel a lot of pressure to look good, be right, avoid problems, and get ahead. And this is, I think society suggests that these are good desires because who wants the opposite? Who wants to look bad, be wrong, have problems, and get passed up? Yeah. Nobody, right? Right. But, But if we hold rigidly onto these desires... Where is our focus? The focus is on ourselves, us looking good, us being right, us avoiding problems, and us getting ahead. And these desires are actually fueled by the four negative mindsets, fixed, Mm -hmm. closed, prevention, and inward mindsets. And these just, they're justifiable to have these mindsets. And usually they're actually rooted in some form of past trauma that we've had that has caused us to want to hold on really tightly to looking good, yep. being right, avoiding problems, and getting ahead. Yeah. But unfortunately, they're just not cognitively and emotionally sophisticated. And so those are the four mindsets on the negative side. Did you want to say something, or should I jump to the positive? Yeah, yeah, let me just say a word about that, and then we can kind of get back into it. So what I love about that yep. is these are survival skills, and it's a little bit of what we know yeah. about research with the negativity bias, and, you know, the brain is just, the neuroscientists tell us, it's trying to get ahead of all this stuff so we're safe, we're secure, we're not made a fool of, um, we look good. Yep. So we're just wired that way in, in a survival. So you're really talking about kind of rewiring that. So maybe, you know, walk us through the positive side, and then we can kind of get into some of the rewiring stuff. Yeah. So on the positive side, we've got four, four mindsets that are called growth, open, promotion, and outward. And these have different desires associated with them. So the desires here are to learn and grow, to find truth and think optimally, to reach goals, and to lift others. Right? And so if we were to take, um, let's, let's take that continuum close to open we've got on the closed side is the desire to be right. And on the open side is this desire to find truth and think optimally. And if we want to be on that open mindset side to have this desire to find truth and think optimally, we've got to get to this cognitive and emotional place where we are okay with being wrong at times. We're okay to even admit that we've been wrong at times because it's only until we're okay with being wrong that we could actually be a seeker of truth and thinking optimally. And and so it just takes more cognitive and emotional sophistication to get over there with those positive mindsets. And so this is where the Brene Brown stuff comes in about being vulnerable. And, and, you know, I talk about can people have these learning statements? Can they say, I don't know? Can they say, I made a mistake? Can they say, I need help? Which would seem like it would all fall under kind of thinking optimally and finding truth. Yeah. And we, because we, we have this fear that if I say I'm wrong, that people will lose respect in us. And that's a fear that we carry, and it probably comes from something in our past that leads us to that. But the reality is, is when have you ever lost the respect of somebody who admitted that they were wrong? 
I, yeah. It might happen, but I think it's actually quite rare. And, and so we, that's where we've got to get to this <laughs> cognitive and emotional sophisticated place where we, yeah. where we recognize that and we're okay actually embracing, you know, vulnerability as, as Brene talked about. I mean, what is the idea of vulnerability is most people aren't vulnerable because it feels scary, like, we'll lo- like others will lose respect in us. But that's the exact opposite that occurs, is we gain the respect of people who are vulnerable. To just give you a little anecdote, I, I, you know, I imagine you have this in your relationships, but I've been married for quite a while, and, uh, it's, and I'm sure it's in my relationship and others, and it's easy to play the I'm right game. And I think in your personal relationships, and I can see every once in a while, I catch my wife and I, and I go, oh, you know, this is from the awareness. We're playing I'm right. And, you know, she's like, oh, it's not really that way, but it's really more this way. And, that, and we kind of fall into playing the I'm right game because it's, you know, status and we feel, uh, you know, important. Yep. For sure. Yeah. And that goes, I mean, I, even you're saying this as we, we had a conversation with my two kids yesterday about that. It was my nine-year-old and six-year-old as they just kept going back and forth and it just kept getting louder and louder. We're like, guys, <laughs> this is not productive, right? And it was just the I'm right game with kids for sure. That's great. Okay, well, this is fascinating. Sorry, so we got, you know, finding truth, you know, and, and thinking optimally. And now, so then the next one he said is looking good. Yeah, well, so, yeah. The or actually, learn, uh, learn, learn and grow. grow. Is Sorry. Looking bad, or we want to look good versus learn and grow. So the one, we've talked about fixed and growth, closed and open. Next one is prevention and promotion. So prevention is I, I want to avoid problems, and promotion is I want to reach goals. And what, what we recognize with the promotion mindset, of course, like, who wants problems? Nobody wants problems, but those are the promotion mindsets. They're cognitively and emotionally sophisticated enough to recognize that if I want to go to a place that I've never been, right, if I want to accomplish a goal that I've never gotten to before, should I anticipate that I can get there without having any problems? Mm. Of course not. Right? We're always going to have problems when we go into uncharted territory. And so what those with the promotion mindset understand is I am going to have problems, and I've yeah. got to be okay with that. Right? And, we, we, and so we can prepare for those problems. We just don't seek to avoid these problems. So uh, I don't know if you've seen the movie, Me Having Smaller Kids. Uh, whenever I say this, the movie that comes to my mind is Moana. Um, and if you've seen yeah. Moana... She's, you know, on this Polynesian island, and her dad wants her to stay on the island because it's safe. And she wants to get out past the reef. And he, the, the dad is justifiably saying, if you go out there, you can get hurt, which is surely the case. But, um, and so Moana is to this mental place where I care more about accomplishing my goals than any problem that might come about by going on yeah. past the reef. And that's yeah. really that promotion mindset. And, uh, and I imagine you do this <clears throat> with your kids. You know, when I talk with groups, we sometimes talk about some of these defining moments. You know, and one of them that I usually share is, is, is what brought me to Santa Barbara was, was my master's program. And I, I remember working on my master's thesis before my doctorate. And my, I was so anxious. I was the youngest one in the program. And I remember catching my professor about how I was going to do this project and all this stuff. And he basically said, hold out your hand. And I held out my hand. 
And he gave me, he said, I'm giving you my seal of approval. Whatever you don't know, you're going to be able to work out. And then he turned around and walked down the hall. And I'm like, uh, well, uh, and it was that promotion. <laughs> I mean, and I think that's that self-message that we're saying, I don't know what this is, but I'll work it out. Yeah, I love that. Yep, that self-promotion. Okay, good. So we got that one. And then what's the, the last one? Then the last one is inward to outward. So inward is when we're focused on us getting ahead, and outward is when we're focused on helping to lift others. So when we have an inward mindset, we see ourselves as more important than others, and that causes us to see them as objects, either obstacles that get in our way or instruments to help us get us where we want to go. But somebody with an outward mindset sees others as being just as important as themselves, and when we see others as just as important as ourselves, we're able to see them as people and really value them as such. And I think when we look at our world today and, you know, there's a lot of concerns around fairness and societal related issues associated with fairness. And I think at the root of all of that, uh, of all of those issues is, is folks having more of an inward mindset and that all of that would probably be resolved if we had more of an outward mindset. So that's beautiful. And I imagine you talk to organizations you know, and I've sat in so many meetings that probably you have too with, with them. And is the client, the external customer, internal customer part of the conversation? I mean, do they have a seat at the table is kind of the way we would express it. You know, and it's, it's bringing yeah. that point of view, like you're saying, that outward mindset into the conversation. Yeah, for sure. In fact, I think that a great example of that is Microsoft. Um, so Microsoft under Steve Ballmer's tenure their stock price stayed the same from 2000 to 2014. When Satya Nadella took over in 2014, he, he changed how they dealt with their customers. And he, he said, instead of kind of sit back and create products we think our customers will like, just go talk to our customers and ask them what they want and then create it for them. And, uh-huh. and th- so it's been this more of an outward mindset approach towards their customers and we can see the value that that's had on Microsoft. I mean, their stock price is up six times what it was when Satya Nadella took uh, over about seven years ago. It's just yeah. unreal the difference that that can make. And, and he's someone I've, I've heard him interview the stuff that's, you know, really is pretty grounded. He does a mindfulness uh, activity every time he wakes up in the morning. And kind of like you talked about mm-hmm. earlier, wiggling your toes, he gets out of bed and just kind of stands and kind of feels himself grounded, that sense of groundedness to start the day, you know, versus, you know, so being grounded versus being in his head, which could be being worrying and what do I need to do, let me kind of establish, you know, my groundedness. Yeah. I think when you you said earlier, if I remember correctly, you said when you are automatic, you're average. When you stay automatic, you stay average. Yeah. And I think that those practices are tiny habits that get us out of being automatic, right? Yep. And emphasizing the tiny, because you and I do the same work. And when I work with executives, I'm saying, what can they do in a minute? What can they do in two or three minutes? Because anything more than that, no one has time. And so how do you bring someone in? So so, uh, we'll get into some of the how-to stuff. so say a little bit about that. Uh, maybe there's some general remarks about kind of the, how do you win the mental game, and then if we can get into some of the key you know, strategies that you teach people, that would be great. 
Yeah. So I, I think for me, I, and I would invite anybody listening to this, if you wanted to go to my website at ryangottfordson.com, I've got a free mindset assessment that'll give you a sense of the quality of your mindsets relative to over 20,000 people who have taken your mindset assessment. So as we've already talked about, to me, the first place to start is always with awareness and self-awareness. And I think we tend to think that our mindsets are the best mindsets to have. I mean, if we thought that our mindsets could be better, we would have changed them already. Um, so sometimes it takes kind of an external source or an assessment to really help us wake, in up, wake up to the quality of our mindsets. And so I, I think that's the first step that I would do um, if I was, you know, talking to anybody, and I think it's a pretty easy step. Um, and then once we understand where we're at and where we need to do, go, then we can develop small habits that if we can kind of repeat those over time will lead to us strengthening our positive mindset neural connections. So our neural connections really aren't too different than our muscles. If we want to strengthen our muscles, we've got to hit the gym on a regular basis. We've got to work them out. The same thing goes with our positive mindset. We've got to activate them on a regular basis. And the more that we do, the stronger those neural connections will become, the more we'll rely upon them through our day-to-day processing. And so, um, also, by taking my mindset assessment, uh, you can get a whole host of resources in terms of kind of mindset exercises for you to work out. So, to me, that's that's the place to start. But I, uh, we could definitely yeah. go deeper than that for sure. So, so Ryan, let me. Uh, I, I missed our break. Let me uh, take a, our break. But let me emphasize the the website that Ryan's talking about. Ryan uh, Gottfriedson I think I got so engaged in this, we missed our break, so we'll take a short break, and we'll come right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. How can you be brilliant in the moment, given the daily challenges you face at work and home? How can you enhance your strengths and limit your weaknesses? Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler's mission is to help people be the best version of themselves at work and at home with simple, trusted, evidence-based tips and tools. They have combined forces, applying the powerful science of emotional and social intelligence with the latest in e-learning and AI technology to bring you the Emotional Brilliance Academy. Through the leading Emotional Brilliance Academy programs, they help everyday leaders like you balance your emotions to better connect with people, enhance top performance, lead your teams, and your organization. The Emotional Brilliance Academy gives you a common-sense approach to enhance your effectiveness and happiness both on and off the job. Sign up for the program, enhance your skills, and be your best self. For a free trial, go to freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. That's freetrial.emotionalbrilliance.com. EBA is powered by Fearless Leaders Group, the H2C Leadership Foundation, and True North Leadership. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Today, expertise equals credibility. When you know what to do and how to do it, people follow because they acknowledge that you know more. 
However, stepping up in your career eventually pushes you out of your comfort zone of expertise. How you lead at those moments requires new skills. We're here to show you how to survive and thrive. Join me, Wanda Wallace, on Out of the Comfort Zone at Voice America Business Channel. You can find more information at leadershipforuminc.com. Say It Skillfully is my new radio show about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said. This is your host, Molly Chang. Call in and I'll help you find the right words to tackle any difficult conversation or ticklish situation you've been avoiding. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Join me live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Dr. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions for these noted experts, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Uh, welcome back. We're talking with Dr. Ryan. Gofferson and RyanGofferson.com. You can go to his site and uh, Success Mindsets is the book, but he also has the assessment that he's talking about. That He has a wealth of information on there. So you can take the assessment, but then you also have a lot of resources to help you with your mindset. So Ryan, in this last bit, uh, tell us a little bit about kind of more of the how-to and you, we mentioned during the break how this may you know, tie to stuff that we're talking about is how do you be kind of brilliant in the moment. Yeah, so what, what's been really fascinating to me is learning about, and it started, and this is why I kind of talked about Edith Eager er, earlier in the show, is she is somebody, when I read her book, I realized that in order for her to become a more positive influence, she needed to heal from the trauma that was in her past. And, and over the last year and a half, I've been diving into, because I've been exploring, how do we really help people shift their mindset? And, and what I found is that working with business leaders is about 50% of all leaders is they, they can shift pretty easily. Uh, if I can have them take my mindset assessment, give them some direction, give them some resources, about 50% of leaders are able to kind of run with that and have pretty significant shifts in their mindset. But there's another 50% of leaders that are quite resistant to this. And it's made me wonder, how do, we, how do I get to them? How do I be even better understand them? And so over the last year and a half, I've been studying trauma and the role that trauma plays in our mindset. And what I've learned is at a high level, and I'm going to go into some depth here, but at a high level, trauma causes us to want to self-protect. And, and that's leads us to take on more negative mindsets. But what I've learned at a deeper level is that there's four predictable dominoes that occur when we experience trauma. And how I define trauma is experiencing stress that exceeds our body's capacity to deal with that stress. So it's not about what has happened to us. It's just whether or not that situation 
brought about more stress than what our body was capable of dealing with at that time. So does, does that definition of trauma make sense before I kind of jump into the four dominoes? Yeah. Yep, yep, I got it. Yep, that's good. Okay. So then if we experience these situations, and it can be at any age, then four predictable dominoes occur. The first domino is our, our mind and our body get disconnected. It's what is called mm-hmm. disassociation. And what it's oftentimes referred to as numbing, right? And this is designed yeah. to protect us in the moment. And, and what we don't really appreciate, in my perspective, is that when disassociation occurs and numbing occurs, it lingers, sometimes maybe for the rest of our life until it becomes healed. And so one of the things that's interesting about disassociation is the more we are dis- disassociated, the more our mind is disconnected from our body, the less ability that we have to be self-aware. And that, as you mentioned at the, at the beginning on the onset here, is that self-awareness is one crucial component of emotional intelligence. The second domino that occurs from trauma is what is called disintegration. So our mind has three different brain regions, our reptilian, our mammalian, and our human brains. And what happens with disintegration is our, our, the long-range neural connections that span these three brain regions get affected such that the reptilian and the mammalian brains operate on overdrive and the human brain isn't able to step in and regulate that. And what happens when our mind is disintegrated are two things. There's two consequences. These are the subsequent dominoes. One is we start to misencode our world. We start to see safe things as being dangerous, like vulnerability, and dangerous mm. things as being safe. Mm-hmm. And so misencoding is one of the consequences. The second consequence is a narrowing of our window of tolerance. It, it, we become easier to become triggered and set off into fight, flight, or fight, fight, flight, or freeze mode. Um, and yeah. so these are the four dominoes. And what we talked about was disassociation leads to a lack of self-awareness. Well, when we have disintegration, misencoding, and a narrow window of tolerance, what ends up happening is it prevents us from being aware of others. We become so focused on ourselves and protecting ourselves from potential threats that we have a hard time recognizing and dealing with the emotions of those around us. And so that's the other side of emotional intelligence. And so what I've been learning, which to me is really fascinating, is the more trauma that we've had in our past, the less ability that we have to be emotionally intelligent. And then wow. the profound implications of this is that if we want to become better leaders, if we want to become more emotionally intelligent and more vertically developed, we need to focus on healing the mind. And and to me, that just, it feels just so meaningful. And I I guess partly because of my own personal experiences of of learning that maybe there's a few things that I need to heal from. And, and, um, and the more that I feel like I've been healing from those things, the better the person I've become. And, and I want other people to know that, that that's a path towards becoming a better leader and a more positive influence in their world. So, Ryan, that is very well spoken, beautiful. And, and I think then that on the 
upside, positive side of all that is it doesn't take a lot uh, and, and really kind of catching you're in the moment. So the other kind of acronym or, or focus I'll say is how do you catch and redirect? And so catch what's going on, some of those older patterns, maybe it's another way of saying that. And then in the moment, yep. how do you redirect it, you know, towards a better mindset, maybe growth, maybe promotion. Um, and so we're going to bring this to a close here, Ryan. Uh, let me just give your website again. And for our listeners, there's a wealth of information that this man has and his website. And it's Dr. Uh, his name is Dr. Ryan Gofferson. The website is Ryan Gofferson. Uh, you can take his uh uh, assessment, and then there's a lot of tools to help you move forward. So, Ryan, thanks so much for sharing this. You, I think you've done some great work, and I'm glad to uh, support what you're doing. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I, I hope that this brings a perspective that is different and even challenges conventional ideas around leadership development, that it's not enough to just focus on the doing of what do we need to do to be effective, but to focus on the being. What do we need to be to be effective? And, and hopefully that we've given some um, good insights and also some practical takeaways on how to elevate our being. Exactly. And I think that catchphrase, you know, is we're all human doings, and we talked about the culture kind of makes it that way. We really want to move towards being more the human being. So you've been listening to yeah. Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers. Tune in again next week to tune up your performance. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you gained some great ideas and inspiration on how to elevate your leadership skills. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.